Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from the reading in the book of Acts. You may be seated. We begin with the word of prayer. Father in heaven, we give you thanks this day that you are a God who has given yourself to us for our salvation. We thank you, Lord, that when we deal with guilt and shame in this world, we know that we have a Savior in Jesus who forgives our sins and gives us true joy and hope. Dear Father, on this day we pray you would grant us such hope by giving us your Spirit. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. We are living in a day and age where religion is holding less and less sway over the lives of the people around us. Religion and God seem to have much less influence on our day-to-day activities in our culture. God, religion, the church, these sorts of things have been sort of relegated to the sidelines in our culture. And for many people, this is viewed as a victory. This is not something to be seen as bad. After all, the idea goes something like this. Once we can get rid of God and religion and the old moral stigmas that clung to us, we will finally be free. We won't have to deal with shame any longer. We won't have to deal with guilt any longer. Once we get rid of God, we can finally live a guilt-free existence. And so this is why you see more and more people in our culture today walking around uh, with no guilt or shame whatsoever in their lives, right? I would venture to guess that if there were any therapists here in the congregation today, uh, they would laugh at such sentiments. Because if there's one thing that we can say for certain in our culture is that guilt is running wild. And the removal of God from the social, social conscious has hardly removed guilt and shame from our own personal or even from our social consciences. Guilt, I'm becoming more and more convinced, drives the economy. Some things, now to be fair, there are some things you should feel guilty for, like actual sins. Godly guilt is a good thing, the scriptures say, because it produces repentance. However, we're finding guilt everywhere, and there's many things that we are made to feel guilty for in this world that we probably shouldn't feel guilty for. Regardless, the guilt is there. You're made to feel guilty for everything. You're made to feel guilty for how you vote, uh, for what you do with your free time. You're made to feel guilty for what clothes you wear or what clothes you don't wear. You're made to feel guilty for how you parent, for your work habits, for your play habits, uh, for how often you attend church. Guilt is everywhere. And I know this is true, and you do too. All I have to do is come down to you, and if you're working uh, or if you're retired, all I have to do is ask you, how is the work-home life balance going? And immediately, you will either begin to justify yourself trying to prove that you're a good parent, even though you're at work all the time, or maybe you should work more, or you'll begin to beat yourself up. But the justification is going to begin. The self-justification or uh, the the shame is going to expose itself. And suddenly we recognize guilt is constantly weighing down on us. Social media thrives on shame and guilt. And this is not just happening in the lives of those who have tried to sort of relegate God to the sidelines. But we've got to recognize that guilt and shame sort of weighs down heavy on all of us. All of us are made to feel guilty or are rightly feeling guilty for something in our lives. So what are we to do with this? What are we supposed to do with our guilt? 
What now should we do? This is the very question that the Jews asked Peter on that Pentecost day when Peter stood up and preached among them in the sermon that we heard this morning. In fact, if you've been paying attention, last week and this week we've been in Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2, Peter is really preaching the first message uh, after Christ has ascended into heaven. And he's pointing people to Jesus. And now what Peter does in his sermon, as we heard it today, is really quite remarkable. He shows them that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures, that he was crucified for the sins of the world, he rose again from the dead, and now he is seated at the right hand of God. God has given him authority over all things. And though to us this sounds uh, initially like very good news, to the people who heard it that day, this was very convicting. Because Peter told the people, listen, this one that that God has raised from the dead, who's an authority over everything, you guys crucified him. Listen to what he said. Let the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus, whom you crucified, Now, they were not comforted by this preaching of Jesus. Rather, the scriptures say, uh, right after the text that we heard today, it says immediately, the people were cut to the heart. They were convicted and slain, and probably a little bit afraid. Because after all, it's not typically good news to find out that the guy that you are guilty of killing came back to life, and now he's in charge. This might not be good news for you. Because he would have every reason and every right to seek revenge upon you. And so the people are cut to the heart and they're scared and they're caught in their guilt. They're caught in the act of their sin. They have real, actual guilt, not some culturally contrived guilt. No, they are actually guilty for crucifying Christ. And so they want to know, what must we do? Brothers, they cry out, what shall we do? Before we get to the answer that Peter gives today, I think it would be worth our time to think about some of the responses that we receive uh, from the culture when it comes to our guilt. What should we do with this guilt that we have? We are not short in our culture on answers for this. Everybody has some way to deal with the shame and the guilt in your life, and everybody's trying to sell you on something. Now, sort of the big narrative we're working with right now is people are saying something like this. You shouldn't feel guilty about anything. You're fine and perfect just the way you are. Just speak more positively about yourself. Think better thoughts. Shake off the negativity and everything will be fine. But we all know that's nonsense. Just telling people they shouldn't feel guilty doesn't take the guilt away. It tends to make matters worse. And so people will turn to something else. And since we want to kind of shake off religion, some people will turn to spirituality. They'll turn to some form of higher power uh, that will help them with this. And you simply need to go down to the local Barnes & Noble or to the library, and there you will find a number of books on spirituality that will teach you how to deal with the shame and the guilt and the negativity, they'll say, in your life. They'll give you all kinds of disciplines and exercises you can do to feel better about things. They'll teach you when you're feeling guilty about how to meditate. How to do some yoga. How to speak some sort of new reality into existence so that you speak a positive reality against a negative reality. And they they will teach you to remove all the negativity from your life and begin to operate on this higher plane. Here's the problem with this. And there's two big problems with this. First, of course, it leaves uh, dealing with your guilt up to you. You have to work this thing off. You have to figure it out on your own. 
And second, it's kind of like taking an aspirin for a broken bone. I mean, a pretty powerful aspirin, I suppose. Uh, it, it might make the pain decrease a little bit, but the reality is the broken bone is still there. And this is how it is with our guilt. Yeah, you might find some spirituality to make you feel a little bit better for a while, but at the end of the day, the guilt remains. So maybe that's not the route you want to go. Maybe you do prefer uh, to go the old religion route. And so you start listening to the world religions, the major powerful religions of the world, to see what do they give me so I can deal with my guilt. And maybe many people in our culture today are beginning to think about turning to Islam. And this might shock us a little bit, but if you think about it, Islam really <laughs> is kind of the easiest religion of all when it comes to dealing with your guilt. There's just five simple steps you have to take, the five pillars of Islam. You obey those five pillars and suddenly you are righteous and you don't have to worry about your guilt or your shame any longer. Or maybe you could turn to Judaism. And in Judaism, you would simply be taught in order to deal with your guilt, you've got to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you talk to the Jews these days, they will say it is our good works for our neighbors that are sacrifices we offer up to God to appease his wrath. So you just be a better person, do good works, and then your guilt and your shame will go away. But if you actually think that by turning to sort of dogmatic religion to help take your guilt away is going to work, that just simply means you don't know enough Jews and Muslims, okay? Uh, they deal with guilt all the time in a very difficult way. Unless we Christians sit back and just point the finger at them, we've got to realize that very often we are guilty of the same thing, and this is legitimate guilt, uh, we're guilty of the same thing in the church, that when people come to us feeling shamed and guilty, we tend to turn them back in on themselves and give them some sort of regiment that they can do to take the pain away. So turning to institutionalized religion, that's not always the easiest plan either. It doesn't always help with our guilt. So now this is why some people are just throwing off the shackles of religion and spirituality altogether. And they're going to turn to something else in this world to help them make them feel better a life, to help them feel better about their guilt. Some people believe that if you just, you know, you can eat or drink your guilt away. So they'll turn to food or alcohol. Now if you're turning to alcohol to turn your guilt away, you realize that, you know, the next morning you feel more guilty for something worse you did the night before. If you're turning to food, fine, maybe food and eating makes you feel better. But just remember, make sure you're eating the right kind of food from the right kind of farm with the right kind of ingredients in the right way at the right time of day. Otherwise, you're eating wrong and now you're going to feel guilty about how you're eating. So you can't go that way. So maybe what we should do is turn to exercise and we'll just start exercising, get the endorphins going, and then we'll feel better about ourselves. But then you skip a day here and you skip a day there. And two months later, you haven't exercised for a long time. And now you feel guilty because you haven't been able to keep up the exercise regimen. And then you go to the grocery store and you see the people on the fit magazines and you think, well, this was pointless altogether. And the guilt has returned. So maybe where we should turn now is to family. Maybe family will make us feel better. <laughs> see, here's the thing. Family seems to be the root of all kinds of our guilt. So many of us are dealing with guilt because we couldn't live up to mom and dad's expectations. Mothers, you live in a culture right now where there are entire industries that exist to make you feel guilty for not being the right kind of woman in the 21st century. And men, you live in a culture now where being a dad, you should just feel guilty for being a dad at all. Happy Father's Day. So maybe we turn to work. Maybe we just work and we get so focused on work, uh, then we'll feel not so guilty. But if you do that, we're going to call you a workaholic. And if you don't do that, if you look a little bit too lazy, you don't work hard enough, we're going to call you lazy. So you can't turn to work either. You can't go anywhere. 
And I'm becoming, like I said earlier, I'm becoming convinced that the economy thrives on these guilt-inducing methods because guilt is lucrative. After all, just watch how unhappy people are in the commercials until they buy the product being sold. And then your problems are solved. Like you're a bad father, you're not going to church enough, you got all this guilt weighing on you. Just buy the new iPhone and you can dance all your problems away. Then you'll feel better. Until you realize how much money you spent on the iPhone and realize that you could have fed an entire tribe of people in Africa for a month for the same amount of money that you spent on that iPhone. I can play the guilt game too, see. And to top it all, Ah, seeking to turn to some other means of guilt alleviation is actually the greatest of all the sins here. Because you're beginning to treat all these other things and trust all these other things to do the only thing that God, or to do the thing that God himself has promised to do. You're not acting in faith. You're not trusting the promise of God to forgive you for the sake of Christ. You're looking for some other idol or some other method to deal with your guilt and your shame. You're looking to another to do what God himself has promised to do. And that lack of faith is actually the chief of all sins. It's a breaking of the first commandment because you're putting something else before God. And so we're brought back to the first question. What do we do with this guilt? What do we do with this guilt and this shame that we have in our lives? Well, Peter's answer today is really quite remarkable. Peter's answer today is completely different from any other answer we hear anywhere else in the world. It's almost impossible for us to believe what Peter says. And I, I might go so far as today, it is impossible for us to believe what Peter says to us today. And so Peter simply just gives it to us. He just gives us this gift. For us to cling to. He gives us the thing to believe. He gives us the faith. Instead of giving us instructions on how to fix the problem of our guilt, he simply gives the forgiveness. Instead of telling you how you need to get to God to take your guilt away, he just delivers the forgiving God to us. Listen to what he says. After they ask the question, what shall we do, brothers, Peter says, repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, lest we think that what Peter has done here is just given us a new list of instructions, when Peter says, repent and be baptized, it's as though he's saying this. Stop clinging to those guilt-inducing methods and stop focusing on your sins because I have a present for you. Look at this. It's called baptism. And in it, God is going to wash away all of your sins. He will take what is sinful and guilty in you and he will drown it. And he will pull you out of the water. Forgiven. Washed clean cleansed of your guilt and your shame, and to sustain you in this state, he will give you his gift of the Holy Spirit. God will not leave your guilt in your hands. In baptism, he's taking your guilt out of your hands. And you say, my guilt is taken out of my hands. Well, what does he do? He puts it in the hands. And this is what we actually celebrate today on Trinity Sunday. That the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has come to take away our guilt and our shame. 
the and his son to suffer for your guilt and your shame on the cross. On the cross, Jesus was declared guilty of your sins. So that when he rose again from the dead, he could come to you and say, I forgive you. You are declared innocent. I declare you not guilty. But I still feel all this guilt and all this shame. And Jesus says, for what? I haven't thought about those things for like 2,000 years. I declare you innocent. I declare you guilty. And though, or not guilty. <laughs> I declare you not guilty. And all those other voices you hear in this world, all these other voices standing up and making you feel ashamed of yourself, all these other voices that make you feel guilty, I drown those voices out with my one declaration to you purchased with my blood. You are forgiven, and I declare you innocent for my sake. And the Father, because of my sake, holds your sins against you no longer. freedom into your freedom. And Holy Spirit does not you any longer. Christ's sake, not guilty. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your Son and the power of the Spirit to forgive all of our sins, and we thank you now that your Spirit delivers your Son to us so that we might receive this forgiveness and live with you in everlasting righteousness and blessedness. We pray this day now, O Lord, that you would teach us to live in this freedom and to rejoice and the forgiveness of sins that have been given to us by Christ alone. It's in his name we pray. Amen.